0: Prophecy is what God says about the future. God can predict things to come before they happen. Prophecy is unique because it reveals God's plan, and God can and will do what he says. This week on Connecting the Gap, we're going to start off a brand new study on prophecies of the Bible. We're going to start in Genesis and go through Revelation, talk about prophecies that have been fulfilled already, and some prophecies that are still to come. We're going to get into that right after this on Connecting the Gap. Welcome to another week of Connecting the Gap. I'm Daniel Moore, your host. Thank you for joining me. Go to my website, connectingthegap.net. All of my uploads are there for my podcast. And then my blog that I write weekly is also located at that website. And you can also check out my YouTube channel as well. You can subscribe to any of those, to the YouTube channel, the podcast, or my blog. And I just encourage you to do so each week as I put out a new podcast or a new blog. You'll get notified of that. And you can keep up with everything that's going on here at Connecting the Gap. Thank you guys for supporting me in your prayers. Thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you'll learn something from what we're getting ready to go through, what we've already been through in the past. I've already learned a lot myself. It's all a learning process for all of us as we study God's Word. So as I said, this week we're starting off a brand new study. This is going to be an extensive study. It's going to probably take some time to get through it. This is a study about prophecies of the Bible. Prophecies have always intrigued me a little bit. And it's been really interesting to be able to look at the prophecies in the Old Testament that have already been fulfilled and to see when and where that happened and to know that there's prophecies that are coming up in the future. And we can know that because the prophecies of the Old Testament and some of the New Testament that have already been fulfilled that was prophesied in the Bible, then we know that those prophecies coming up in the later future in the Revelation times will definitely happen as well. So this week what we're going to do is just kind of get into an introduction a little bit about prophecy and why it's important and what we're going to be going through over the next months here as we work our way through this study. As I said at the beginning, prophecy is what God says about the future. God, he can predict things to come before they even happen. He's the creator of this whole world. He's the creator of us. So he knows exactly what's going to take place even into the future. Prophecy is unique because it reveals God's plans God doesn't lay it all out by date and time. He doesn't sit here and say, this is going to happen here and here and here. But he does give us a pretty good general idea of things that are going to happen and when they will happen. And then we can just sit there and kind of watch all of that take place. God can and will do what he says. God says, remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. That's Isaiah 46, verses 9 through 10. Simply put, that scripture is telling us that God knows the future. The future is in God's hands. What he says is prophecy. What he says cannot be altered. During Bible times, God spoke to men of high character. Those special men wrote down God's words. God was the originator and men were the recorders. And the parts that they wrote that deal with the future events are called prophecy. About 40 different writers wrote the Bible over a period of several hundred years. They recorded it in 66 volumes called Books, which are broken down into two sections, an Old Testament of 39 books and a New Testament of 27 books. Centuries later, scholars took what the writers had recorded and divided the text into chapters and into verses. All of the men who recorded God's words were Jews, except possibly Luke. Luke was definitely a scholar in Jewish matters, but some authorities think that he was Greek by ancestry. As much as 40% of what those men wrote is prophecy. We're going to be talking about the issues that people seem most interested today as we go through this study. Unfortunately, there is a plague of false prophets today, a plague of people who say they know the truth. But in fact, you can't trust these false prophets to give you the truth or to interpret it. Unfortunately, many people who claim to speak for God hide the truth more than they reveal it. Some of these people may be theologians, they might be seminary professors, they might even be preachers. We know lots of preachers that have been false prophets and some out there today that are false prophets, but they're no better than the average newspaper horoscope or the local psychic in understanding prophecy. They don't have the, the basics of having the Holy Spirit inside of them and God working through them to reveal the prophetic that he has put into his word. The Bible says that we shouldn't add or take away from anything that it says. You can see those scriptures that talks about that in Deuteronomy 4.2, Deuteronomy 12, 32, Proverbs chapter 30, verse 6, or Revelation 22, verses 18 through 19. People who aren't careful to do this go against a very basic teaching of the Bible. A person speaking from a deep understanding of God won't say anything that will contradict the word of God, but a person speaking for the wrong reason will say a lot that simply is not true. Those are your false prophets. As the Bible says, God overthrows the words of the faithless. It says that in Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 12. So what is the truth? Well, Pontius Pilate asked Jesus in John chapter 18, verse 38, and that's a good question. But Pilate wasn't asking Jesus because he wanted to know the answer. Pilate was a cynic, and he was implying that truth is whatever those in authority want it to be. But truth is not what whoever's in a high position wants it to be. Truth is the Bible. When Jesus prayed, he said, Your word is truth in John chapter 17, verse 17. The bottom line is this. The only modern day prophet worth listening to is the one who sticks to the Bible. Such a speaker or teacher believes the word and that it glorifies God. When we think about prophecy, we usually think of the future. But first, here are four important questions that are worth exploring When we think about prophecy, are the prophecies fulfilled literally? We interpret the Bible literally in its plain sense. Others who write or speak on prophecies may interpret the Bible in symbolic or allegorical ways. Some people believe that prophetic passages are just great ideas or timeless truths, and they wonder what the fuss is all about. The second question, what prophecies have already been fulfilled? Well, some prophecies, such as the first coming of Jesus, have been fulfilled. There's also other prophecies, such as the church age, that are being fulfilled now, and still other prophecies that are for the future. Some Bible experts disagree. They believe that all prophecy has already been fulfilled. We'll get more into that as we get into this study. The third question, what prophecies have not been fulfilled? The second coming of Christ is one prophecy that's not yet happened. I also believe the tribulation period has not yet occurred. Other Bible scholars think the famines, earthquakes, and floods we're experiencing today are those predicted in the Bible. Still other scholars believe nothing is currently being fulfilled at all at this moment in time. For them, it's all about the future. The fourth question we ask, when and how will the unfulfilled prophecies be fulfilled? Well, I believe that on some occasions, the Bible gives enough information to know the exact time a prophecy was or will be fulfilled. On other occasions, it provides enough clues to place the prophecy in a certain time period. Even if we don't know the exact day or hour, that time period will arrive. One other thing about timing, some prophecies are referred to as double fulfillment or double reference prophecies. Double fulfillment or double reference means that part of the prophecy refers to one event or time period, and part of it refers to a different event or time period. There is a wide agreement among conservative prophecy experts that every prophecy will be totally fulfilled, but that... Some prophecies will go through phases or stages before that happens. We also agree that one phase may be in one time period and another phase in a different time period. And the length of time between the two may range from the blink of an eye to thousands of years. This study is going to move from one prophecy to the next. We're going to start in Genesis. We're going to work our way through to Revelation. At the end of this discussion and this study that we are doing about each prophecy... Well, I'll tell you of the prophecy, whether if it's been fulfilled, if it's still unfulfilled, or has been partially fulfilled, or if it is continuously being fulfilled. We know that God inspired the Bible because of the fulfilled prophecies, and those fulfilled prophecies are evidence that God will literally fulfill the remaining prophecies at his chosen time. Something also to remember is the Bible is filled with symbols. We don't have to guess what they mean because they are often interpreted for us. Some symbols are explained within the context of the prophecy. Others are explained in a different passage of scripture. I believe God did this to make us study the entire Bible. You don't necessarily have to have a PhD to understand symbolism. You only need to search the scriptures and you can usually figure out what those symbolic references are talking about. So, why should we study Bible prophecy? Well, the truth is, and I think all of you can agree with me on this, we are living in dangerous times. Quite often, the explanations of New Age astrologers, channelers, mystics, and psychics are being treated with respect. With regularity, the false doctrines and false prophecies of cults are valued more than the two true doctrines and true prophecies of Christianity. So if you want some reasons of why you should study prophecies, here's 10 reasons that I want to offer to you for that purpose. Number one, the Bible prophets received their messages from God, so what they said is the word of God. Number two, the accuracy of Bible prophecy proves the divine inspiration of the scriptures. Number three, Bible prophecy teaches us many things about God, politics, and faith. Number four, Bible prophecy gives us assurance and hope in difficult or uncertain times. Number five, Bible prophecy promotes evangelism, causes us to witness, and moves us to pray. Number six, Bible prophecy aids perseverance during trials. Number seven, Bible prophecy causes us to watch for things to be fulfilled. Number eight, knowing Bible prophecy increases our ability to help others. Number nine, because so much Bible prophecy has already been literally fulfilled, we can logically expect the rest to be literally fulfilled as well. And number 10, if we do not study Bible prophecy, our understanding of the entire Bible will remain biblically Inept. There's two kinds of prophecy that we're going to be talking about as we go through this study. The first is fulfilled. The second is unfulfilled. The fulfilled prophecies are identified, and we know when their fulfillment took place. The unfulfilled prophecies are identified as well, but we only have a general idea about when they will be fulfilled. We don't know the day or the hour, but we do know that they will be fulfilled in relation to other events. These events have special names, such as tribulation period, rapture, second coming, and the millennium. The tribulation period, Jesus was prophesying about the end of the age when he said, For then there will be great tribulation. Such has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. That's in Matthew 24, verse 21. Contrary to what some say, the world is not moving toward a new world order characterized by peace, cooperation, and prosperity. In all essence, it's actually plunging toward distress characterized by calamities such as war, famine, pestilence, natural disasters, and death. This future period of distress is known as the Tribulation Period. According to the Bible, the tribulation period will be seven years long, and the last three and a half years are called the great tribulation period. We're going to be talking about more about this later once we start discussing Daniel's prophecies in the word of God. The second term is rapture. There is a wide agreement among those who study Bible prophecy that several passages of Scripture teach a future resurrection of deceased church members, a sudden gathering of those who are still alive at that time, and a catching away of those people into heaven. This expected catching away is usually called the rapture. Some call it the rapture of the church. But while there is wide agreement that the rapture will happen, there are differing opinions about when it will happen in relation to the tribulation period. Most experts believe that the rapture will occur before the tribulation period. Their belief is called the pre-tribulation rapture theory. A small minority of experts believe the rapture will occur at the middle of the tribulation period, and their belief is called the mid-tribulation rapture theory. Another group believes the rapture will occur at the end of the the tribulation period, and their belief is called the post-tribulation rapture theory. We agree with the majority, I do myself in in the study that we're doing, by taking the pre-tribulation rapture position. And the reason for that is I believe that as Jesus, when he comes back to take us home, I believe that we're going to be out of here before any of this tribulation stuff starts happening. I think that's going to be reserved for those that were not believers at the time of his return, and that that is going to be their point in time when they have to go through the reckoning of if they're going to believe Christ and die for him, or if they're going to take that mark of the beast when that time comes. The word rapture is not in the English translations of the Bible, but the concept of the word is. The first New Testament texts were written in Greek. And the Greek word harpazo, meaning suddenly taken away by an irresistible force, was used. When the Greek texts were translated into Latin, harpazo was replaced by the Latin word rapier. When the Latin texts were translated into English, a problem arose. Harpazo and rapier wouldn't translate into just one English word. So instead of using an awkward combination, they have taken the Latin word rapier and anglicized it into the word Rapture. Two of the most important events mentioned in the Bible are the two comings of Jesus. The first coming will be when it was when he died for the sins of the world. The second coming is when he's coming to put an end to all of sin. Jesus is coming back to put an end to Satan's influence here on this earth. He's going to bind Satan. He's going to restore Israel, renew this creation, and reign here on earth for a while. Earth will be a wonderful place to live in once again, once that second coming takes place. The final word that we want to discuss here is millennium. It is important to know what the millennium is because this discussion discusses prophecies being fulfilled in relation to that period of time. But understanding the millennium gets confusing because there are three different beliefs about it. There's premillennialism, there's amillennialism, and postmillennialism. All three include the second coming of Christ and believe the saved will spend eternity with God. Premillennialism was the first belief to appear, historically speaking. The word millennium is Latin, and it means a thousand years. A thousand-year reign of Christ is mentioned six times in the book of Revelation. Putting pre in front of millennium suggests Christ will return before the thousand-year reign. By interpreting the scriptures literally, the early church came to the conclusion that Jesus will return to earth, destroy Israel's enemies, establish a kingdom, sit on the throne of David in Jerusalem, and rule over the world for a thousand years. Under his rule, all the covenants with Israel will be literally fulfilled during that thousand-year reign and peace, justice and righteousness will prevail over the earth. Premillenials believe that in the distant future, after the kingdom is purged of sin, Jesus will turn it over to the Father and it'll be merged with his kingdom. This is the view of many conservative Protestants and is the one that we're going to set forth with this discussion that we are going to be going through. Theories show the three main views of the millennium, all three views say society is in the church age, but postmillennialism says the church will convert the world before Jesus returns. Premillennialism and amillennialism believe in a rapture, but at different times, and postmillennialism doesn't believe in a rapture at all. Premillennialism is the only view to espouse a tribulation period, and, millennia- and amillennialism doesn't believe in an earthly kingdom." Amillennialism appeared about 300 years after premillennialism did. Putting an A in front of the word millennium means no millennium or no thousand years. Those who embrace a millennialism believe all the prophecies about Israel refer to the church, that the kingdom is the church, that the millennium is the church age, and that the new earth is heaven. They believe Satan was bound at the first coming of Jesus. Instead of Jesus coming to sit on the throne of David in Jerusalem to rule over the world, they believe we are in the millennium or the church age now, and Jesus is ruling over the earth through the church. For them, the rapture is the second coming. This is the view of most Catholics and liberal Protestants. Postmillennialism did not surface until the 17th century. This belief ignores or explains away most prophecies. Postmillennialism suggests that the world is constantly getting better, that the whole world will eventually be Christianized, and that Christ will not come back until it is. Postmillennialism means Christ will return after the millennium, after the world is Christianized. Instead of Christ coming to establish his kingdom, postmillennialists believe that the church is building that kingdom. This belief almost died out in the mid 20th century, but is making a comeback under the names of Dominion Now, Dominion Theology, and Reconstructionism. So that's kind of an intro to what we're going to be studying here over the next months as we dig deeper into the study about prophecies of the Bible. It's a very exciting thing that I'm excited to share with you. Um, I have learned so much as I've went through this study, and I hope that you will as well. And, of course, if you uh, get the opportunity and would like to comment or send a message or whatever, you can do that through my website at ConnectingTheGap.net. I have a contact form there that you can fill out, send that in. Also, as I said at the beginning of my podcast, please subscribe to me on your favorite platform, whatever that may be. I'm on most platforms out there for my podcast. I also have a blog, which is written weekly, and it's there at my website as well. And uh, so I'll be looking forward to getting into the study next week. Hopefully I've kind of set the the basics of kind of what a prophecy is and why we need to know about it. And uh, hopefully it's gotten you a little bit excited for what's coming up in the future. And I'll do my best to present this study in the best possible way that I can as we go through prophecies. And next week we'll be starting at the very beginning in the Pentateuch. At the very beginning of the Old Testament, we're going to start working our way through prophecies that have been fulfilled and some that possibly have not been fulfilled yet as we work our way through to Revelation. So hopefully that's exciting to you and that's something that you'll be want to be a part of each week here on Connecting the Gap. Well, I'm out of here. You guys have a great, blessed week. And I will be back next week and we'll come back and we'll get into the new study, the prophecies of the Bible, next week on Connecting the Gap.